radio transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of Make Me an Island with me, Donald Deneen. And I want to start this edition of the show by apologising for calling the last episode number 24, when in fact it was only number 23. And as well as being an extremely amateur DJ, I'm also a very bad counter, so be warned. Today is uh, the first of a series of On the Road Make Me an Island episodes, and I'm delighted to say, as you can probably tell from the silence surrounding my voice, uh, Uh, that I'm no longer encumbered uh, by some noise pollution from uh, the number 33 Dublin bus stop. And instead, I'm looking at the rather magnificent sight of Lake Ewell in uh, Mullingar because I'm on my way to Sligo. And uh, as was the plan this weekend, originally, uh, I was meant to be playing at the Corja Festival. So instead of uh, leaving a blank space in the calendar, um, along with Tara McGowan from Corja, decided to turn this into an opportunity and tick off one of the boxes at the very beginning of my Make Me an Island notebook, which was to go talk fiddle music uh, with Steve Wickham. And I'm going to be doing that in the second half of the show. Uh, Before that, however, seeing as I'm on the road to that magical place, I'm going to stop off in Ballinafad to visit our guest islander, Mr. Kevin Barry. And uh, the music you're hearing right now, in fact, is by Ted Kelly from Moxie. And it was also, or is also, part of the Corja online programme. And after it finishes, I'm going to magic my way into the Ballinafad shed. have to um you kind of have to go in like the thing about these you, you kind of have to go there and talk into the top of it no hang on out. oh yeah there you there yeah brilliant hail um, holy queen Mother <laughs> um actually kevin it's the um it's the first interview in in the um with my new microphone out in the field yeah with exactly the, with the new technology uh Val in the field, um, and it's really nice to be here after the, uh, yeah, breaking out of the city after six months and uh, and uh, and six days actually stuck in the pale. It's like quite the release. Yeah, and we're all kind of shell shocked, aren't we? A little bit, big time. Yeah, there's a great line in Patrick Kavanagh somewhere about Irish people crawling out of the cave and screaming at the light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is that kind of, yeah. There's that kind of sense to it, isn't there, at the moment? Yeah, there is. There's a, and there's a trepidation, a very natural one uh, on everybody's part. But um, but on, the, on a sheer visual level, though, um, I mean, you know, seeing the countryside, um, being six months away from it, um, the kind of starvation, 
visual starvation. But when you come to this part, there's there's something really incredible happens when you hit the territory around here. Ballin, yeah, Ballin of Fad. Uh, it's storied ground as mm. well, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to point for the listeners yeah. to the, the hills over in that direction, um, just on the other side of Loch Arrow, was where the Tuhad de Donan took on the Fear of Bulk, the most famous battle in Irish mythology, yeah. I guess. Um, so all that stuff is kind of seeded. O'Carolan, the har- harpist, was from over that side of the lake as well. Yeah. Um, great music country, trad music country. Um, some very famous box players, mm-hmm. uh, some brothers, well, the name has escaped me for the moment, were, were from Balanafad village. Mm-hmm. They built some of this house inside, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's um, that, that old phrase, thin ground, you know, where, mm-hmm. the, where, where the past seems to kind of come out at you all the time. Yeah, yeah. It feels like that in, in, in the interior northwest, I find. Yeah, right. Um, my, my big thing when... when There's a little know, pocket in of, of something. Yeah. My, my, my big thing when people who don't know the country very well say to me when you know American friends or friends from anywhere say where where should we go I always say come off the coast road a bit yeah. you know go inland mm. and you find these really quiet strange and interesting little pockets of places you yeah. know um, like you can go out around Loch Arrow on a weekday morning on the bike or walking and you, you, your car won't pass you for an hour Yeah, you know and yeah. you, you have the entire world to yourself and it's, it's yeah. a fabulous thing. actually I like the way on the last leg of the journey um, it said unknown road Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Springsteen line or something. Uh, but one of the other things that struck me is that, you know, I'm, 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 um, I'm a ditch fan anyway. And, and, and sometimes you need to be taken away from the ditches to be reminded of, of the, the poetic uh, glory of, of a ditch in full bloom. And, and it being July now, it's oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've been admiring your ditches on the unknown road. Well, do you know, because my, my usual kind of, um, my usual hustle around this mm. time of the year is going to a lot of kind of, um, you know, literary festivals and things yeah. like that. So I'm coming and going an awful lot. But this, this year it's been unbroken. Mm. So you see a change on a daily basis. Yeah. And the, the ditches are incredible, actually. You know, they're the most... Uh, Miss Cora Deneen, the man- <laughs> also known as the management, is running around on her four little legs here and, and being a beautiful diversion for us. But it's... Um, yeah, now we're, we're in big foxglove kind of season now. Yeah. And the yellow flags, the iris are up. Yeah. Um, and it's already, the mad thing in the Northwest is it's already in the evening starting to have the scent of autumn. Yeah, you know, right. On the air. It's getting a bit chilly. The fire is lit yeah. now in the evening yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of lovely. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a fan of the cusp kind of seasons as much as yeah. high summer or low winter. I love the kind of spring and autumn times when you're just yeah. kind of the equinoctial kind of times. Okay. I, I often find with the work, that's when I'm in, in, in full flow. Um, speaking of which, um, it's amazing to be here where, where this is where the magic happens. Uh, but um, so this little spot, right, the shed at yeah. the back, um, um, critic, or crucially, Wi-Fi free zone. Um, Which is great. Yeah. Um, I, I descri- I'll describe it for, yeah. for, for the wireless. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's like the house was a, an RIC, a Royal Irish Constabulary Barracks from the 1840s. Um, like I've tried to find information about it. So it's, it's amazingly hard, actually, to get much. I know the IRA burnt the roof off in the 1920s. Okay. Um, having given due warning that they were going to do so uh, to the people in it so that okay, they wouldn't be right. there at the time. Yeah. Um, this was a holding cell that we're sitting in at one point. Um, then it was like when we came here, 
it hadn't been a guard station for 20 years so it was um it was the coal shed you know okay um but yeah there's definitely uh, I, I would hope there's the i thought there'd be the ghosts of tortured fenians but there aren't you know <laughs> right but it's um it's great it's it's all thick. a tortured present day fenian uh, present day fenians it's 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 that just been away from the kind of Wi-Fi zone in the house is a really, really useful thing for yeah. a writer, you know, where you're trying to stay away from all the kind of white noise mm-hmm. that's going on all the time and just being in a quieter kind of a, a, more, a, more, a more sort of a, a textured zone, if that makes any sense, where you're just kind of, you know, you, you, you feel yourself quieting down a bit when yeah. you're away from the whole kind of internet noise and all that. I was actually thinking on the way down, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Kevin, was about, you know, the way, you I mean, you write, urban spaces very well, urban feelings, urban settings. Um, when you're in, in, in a place like this, a beautiful place like mm-hmm. this, for an extended period of time, is there something sort of in you that needs to, that, that longs for that energy or the electricity? Oh, God, yeah. At this stage now, like because I haven't seen cities in, yeah. in, 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 in months, um, I'm, I'm, I'd love to stand in Parnell Street in Dublin and watch a pigeon eating a fag. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> <laughs> just to be down in Grand Parade with people falling out of chicken joints that started three in the morning would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I grew up in, in Limerick and in Cork and, and lived in cities until yeah. 13 years ago. So I was in my late 30s when we moved to the countryside. Mm. And it, it took a lot of getting used to for me, mm. you know. Um, it's definitely in the race memory. Like my mother's side, we're all country people yeah. from West Limerick, so it's it's natural to me in some so, ways. So yeah, it's not completely uh, plugged in yeah. there. Initially, I found it so quiet. Mm. You know, I found the nights so quiet. Yeah, and and on a star on a on a cloudy night, so dark. Yeah, yeah, it's like no street lights, and I was kind of, kind of freaked out for a while, yeah. you know. But it was um, I, I I've come to feel very 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 kind of um. In, in my natural kind of environment with it now I suppose and it's, yeah. uh, I really love to go out around the place at night here Yeah, you know I love to walk over by the lake and stuff at night and go swimming and things Yeah, um, there's nothing like it um, yeah, yeah. you really have the world to yourself at, at, <laughs> yeah. at that point you know and when you met, when you said that textured world that you know that you, you, you write in here what, what do you mean I mean in terms of uh, it's it's really something that's very familiar and that you can kind of settle into in a yeah, regular, I just, on a regular uh, basis. Like I, in some ways, I have, I have such mixed kind of um, feelings and emotions about technology, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been so useful to me in my kind of working life and the way, yeah. you know, people talk about my books online and things like that and it's fantastic and put a picture of my book cover on Instagram or something and it's an amazing boost for me and yeah. it's great. Um, and I have much more readers than I would have had without all sort of social media and stuff. But at the same time, I personally find it's just such a distraction and so kind of addictive and and so kind of, it seems to me more so actually, and this is uh, what we must learn to call Generation C, which I think is people up to about early 20s now, 23 or 24, um, a new kind of of, uh, questioning attitude about technology. Whereas I think with the millennials or with our crowd, even older, yeah. it was kind of, oh, this is great. All yeah. new stuff happening all, all the time. Connected. As much as you can. Whereas the younger crowd are kind of going, God, is this all good, you know? And mm-hmm. I think it's very healthy mm-hmm. to see that. I was talking to an art college crowd, um, kind of first year's foundation, not so long ago. Yeah. And they were seemingly very kind of, you know, very, very much in two minds about how much they wanted to be doing online now. And I thought that was very interesting. Here for me, when I'm inside here and I'm just... You know, the computer isn't connected to the to the web, so it's just yeah. an old-fashioned typewriter essentially in front of me. Yeah. I have my notebooks. And you just, you know, even half an hour, an hour, two hours offline, you find everything slowing down again. Yeah. You know? 
um, and you find yourself um, thinking in a consecutive, concentrated way. Yeah. In a way that you just don't when you're online. You're just yeah. so flitty, and it's 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 really important for 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 the books. I think that I can be in that space as 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 much as as possible. In terms then of like the practice, so it begins in the morning and is there a set amount of time or a set amount of words? I, I, I just saw this thing recently. I don't know if you saw, um, it was it was a good distraction during the lockdown, Grayson Perry's uh, show about art. The art okay, show. I've heard about it, but yeah. He's quality program maker too. Mm. But um, so yeah, there were very interesting little insights into artists, their worlds, how they, you know, and David Shrigley, a guy who, who produces, um, you know, very funny, uh, sort of topical cartoonish stuff. Mm. But he has, uh, you know, on his wall, uh, I don't know what his, his I think it's 120 drawings a day. And wow. he, he, he counts them off and then he edits afterwards. Yeah. And yeah, it was just really interesting little insight into the process yeah. of, of what it is. So like, is there a set way or is it a thing that like, okay, there's, there's days when you have the flow yeah. and there's days when oh, it's not definitely. there. I mean, uh, like I... I wasn't very disciplined in my twenties when I was starting to write in in um, in a in a serious way. It would be very often three in the morning kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas now I am very disciplined, and I, I come in here seven days a week um, when I'm at home. It seems to be going well one or two days a week. Yeah. You know, flow seems to appear one or two days a week, but the only way to manufacture or to engender flow is to come in for the seven. Yeah. To sit through the slow, sludgy days, you yeah. know, where nothing much seems to be happening happening and on those days you're essentially a compost heap you know (laughs) (laughs) things are forming yeah and and, there's layers the the gases are given off and it's just you just have to sit through it (laughs) and and there's no kind of shortcut you know you just have to sit through a compost heap in in roughly in the shape of a man (laughs) um yeah so you just put that sounds like a half man half biscuit song or something (laughs) like that i i actually think yeah um we've heard a few titles already roger doyle in the bathroom was locked in the bathroom but we had a there, there was um yeah the thing the thing is that i suppose on that show as well something another artist said anthony gormley was work makes the work work makes work you know yeah. if, if you put it in then it will create if it's not working it'll it might create some other ideas or yeah. stuff or or and and, and that's, that rings true for me and also i think often um like i, I have a I think this is common to writers. I often have a great envy of visual artists. Um, yeah. Visual artists seem to me to be able to make their lives and their worlds in a way that there's no real division between the work and the living. Mm-hmm. It, like everything they do is feeding into the practice. Um, and that's the ideal situation that I'm trying to get to with writing as well, um, where it doesn't feel like work and where it doesn't feel like a duty, yeah. you know, where it just feels like something that I have to do. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, um, with the work itself, I I often find that the most important thing is 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 to the bits that make you really worried and that seem very difficult and that you can't do. Those are the bits to kind of really concentrate on. Where I think I saw this great clip with David Bowie saying recently, "You should always be like you're just out of your depth in the water. You, know, you can't <laughs> quite feel the surface right. under your feet. Yeah. You know it's not far off, yeah, but it's right. it's That's never good. never feel safe yeah. in your practice or never feel like I know what I'm doing with this. Mm. This will be this will work out yeah. fine." that's going to lead to kind of lifeless work. Yeah, or a predictable whereas, way of going. Exactly, whereas the stuff that makes you a bit anxious and a bit fretful, right. oh Jesus, I'm not sure, you know. Okay. That's, that's, the, that's the stuff that's going to be good if it, if, mm-hmm. if it gets anywhere. And Kevin, what is it right now that you're, you're working on? I've been working this year mostly on, on kind of scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've been adapting Nightboat to Tangier as a feature script. Oh, great! Um, and it kind of lends itself quite quite easily to that, I think. Um, and I've been I've been working on a couple of a couple of kind of projects that would hopefully find their way to the telly mm-hmm. at some point. Kind of dramas, mm-hmm. kind of very dark comic dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I, I always consider myself essentially a kind of a comedian. Mm-hmm. It's very often kind of inky black comedy or very dark comedy mm-hmm. or comedies of despair. Mm-hmm. But it's um, both both of the kind of telly projects are like that. Um, I think I'll be writing a novel next year, so I'm trying to get a lot of scripts yeah. kind of done this year. The experience of of Dark Lies the Island mm. becoming how how was that for you in terms of I mean a, a beautifully realised. I, I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I was really happy with some of the performances in that. I thought all the cast were great. It was especially great to see someone like Tommy Tiernan take yeah. take a character who just shows up in this small town having bought a chipper and he has no memory of having bought the chipper or anything mm. like that. And he has very few lines of dialogue um, in the film, but he just really embodies it. Yep. And it's, I remember watching early kind of rushes as Tommy doing that and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we we, we, we have something here. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this can be something. So it's... Um, I've I've a great empathy with actors. Um, I think writers and actors are first cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, They're, you're working from the same kind of places, trying to trying to bring voices out of your head, yeah, and kind of make them carnage in some way. Um, and it's it's, you know, I, uh, it was a surprise to me in a way, kind of twelve or thirteen years into into my writing career, if I want to put I hate the career word, but to find myself so often thinking about actors now when I sit down at yeah. a desk, I would have thought. If you had asked me when my first book came out, I would have said I'd be writing novels all the time. Mm-hmm. But now, very often, I'm thinking about actors. I'm thinking about particular actors mm-hmm. when I sit down. Um, I have a, definitely have a touch of a frustrated actor about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 what I love about them. Uh, what I what I kind of why I feel sorry for them is it's it's a purely vocational trade. Mm-hmm. They do it because they have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not you know stage actors, especially they're you know they're not paid much. Yeah. They're, 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 they're even at the very top even level. Even at the very you know? top, and, and, it's, and, and, it's and a real struggle. You know, brilliant and, and, and diligent okay. level. Yeah, and and great actors, and it's it's uh, I'm I'm determined to write well for them. And that, again, the experience of of seeing how it works and and having gone through that now, um, is there you know some off the page uh, writing and and in your intention when it comes to to writing a part for an actor? There's a, there's a, there's obviously things that happen off the dialogue that you're kind of like you know the situations that you you paint people into and that you kind of situate them in yeah it's it's kind of it's funny i mean i guess that feeds into something that i do naturally as 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 a writer anyway which is i often think about people's um the characters i think first of all not much about what they're saying or how they sound i often think about their physical stance mm-hmm. about how how they hold themselves mm-hmm. and how to, how they display themselves physically in the world yeah. um like it's very interesting in that a lot of the characters i very often write about irish men from working class backgrounds mm-hmm. you know my, my own kind of background and it's and that that, that physical stance is so defensive mm-hmm. this kind of shoulder out kind of jotty kind of yeah. defensive stance and there's loads of history and religion and class history yeah. kind yeah. of in the shape in of that, that shoulder and in, in that shoulder mm-hmm. in that physical stance and if you can get a character's stance and how they present themselves mm-hmm. to the world right you get so much else about them mm-hmm. you get their heart and soul if you can get how they display mm-hmm. themselves right you know and it's it's um so that, so that's something if i'm trying to summon a character on the page um 
very often it's not their voice I'm thinking of in the first instance. It's how how how, yeah. how they're standing, yeah, how they're is, sitting. Yeah, you know? sure. Which yeah. is exactly what I was yeah. saying is that it's the yeah. it's the color, the yeah, the information, yeah. the visual information, mm-hmm. um, and then and then when it comes um, to the comedy uh, or, or and writing in such a way. Um, I mean, it, to, to kind of involve yourself in how things work in terms of the dialogue and stuff like that. I mean, do you read it back or how, how, how do you distill it? I act it, it out. This is, this is a, okay, a regular so little rehearsal okay. room. We're also sitting in here yeah. um, when I'm at... A stage. What, yeah, when, when I'm at, as some authentic Sligo rain begins to fall <laughs> yeah. outside, which I hope we're picking up. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, I, I, when it comes to what feels like a kind of a penultimate, kind of second last draft of something, I, I will print it out and I will kind of... Um, you know, I'll act it all out, yeah. and, and 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 that's the that's the surefire and the quickest way to get the false notes. Yeah, you know, where you can glaze over them happily on the page, but you'll hear them on the air when you act it out. Mm-hmm. And I will literally kind of pace up and down with the script in hand, mm-hmm. even if it's a short story or a novel. I will always be done aloud, and I'll have the editing pen, I'll have the red pencil, a red biro, and just be be cutting. You yeah. know, um, yeah. I don't know. I always think of. Um, you know, the the sculpture needs her block of stone before she can kind of find the shape that yeah. it, that's in it. So it's the cutting. It's kind of the fun of it, actually, yeah. a lot of it. It's taking all the scaffolding away from the early drafts of something. Yeah. And you see, oh, God, there's a really nice shape in there. Yeah. You know, and it's still standing up without yeah. all that scaffolding, you know. And yeah. it's kind of, that, that's the real kind of pleasure of it, really, at that stage. The first drafts are horrible, you know, because it always looks like shit on the page. Like yeah. that, that early version of something, oh, God, you know. Yeah. Even I look back at it, when I do my... Now and again, a clean out of the office. I look at early drafts. Oh God, how did I stick really? with it? You know, and they might be some of my favorite stories or whatever. Yeah. When you look at the early version, it's so awkward and it's just right. elbows and knuckles all over the page. You know. But so just uh, purely on the point of of passing information on to to people who who write, um, the editing part of of the job is is something that seems to you know in terms of time would mm. take up a lot of the time. It's 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 most of it in some ways, you know. Right. I, I tend to I tend to really horse those first drafts out. Yeah. Because it's such an unpleasant experience getting that shit down on the page. Yeah, or, or throw that that you know onto the potting wheel yeah. or, or, you know as in as in I, I think wheel. I think of I think of uh, I think of it almost as a film editor maybe. Yeah. You know, trying to I, I do an awful lot of cost, cutting and pasting and moving scenes around right. on the page okay. and make, making it kind of flow in 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 better ways. But it's um yeah, you you feel almost like an editor as much as a writer often, you know. Yeah. Um, I I I probably used the, the analogy too much, but the first Alien movie, when the when the creature is crawling out of the guy's chest, that's the first draft coming out. That's what it feels like. You know, right. this, this ungainly monster yeah. is yeah, appearing yeah, yeah. out never out pretty. of your innermost being. It's never pretty, and it's just trying to put manners on that. And the editing process is kind of the fun of it. Yeah. Um, Kevin, it's been so great to talk to you. I suppose in terms of going back outside in, into the world, um, the whole experience for you in terms of forcing you to stop and, and when, when you mentioned actors earlier, I, I, I was talking with somebody yesterday. I mean, people like actors are, are completely, you know, the entire function of their taken away yeah. from them. When it comes to, we'll say, promoting yourself in writing or, or the way that you've kind of done your life up to yeah. now, which is going to, to uh, you know, do interviews, festivals, yeah. all those things. Uh, can you see, like, it being in some way good for your work that, that there's been a huge reset in yeah. how it might work from now on? It, it'll definitely t- make me think about the, the, the amount of kind of arson around the roads I do, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Definitely, you know, like, I, re- I really miss doing the kind of... Um, 
festivals and things because this is our social life really yeah that's when we get out and see friends and see people over the summer and spring or whatever but it's um definitely like it's as exhausting as the whole kind of zoom kind of stuff is and all that you can see the use of it in the long term mm-hmm. where we don't have to do all this unnecessary kind of running around yeah and ju- just kind of um pick your battles for it you know and yeah. just to just do, do yeah. stuff that's more useful and yeah there's a lot to be said for staying within your your kind of home yeah. zone on a, on a kind of uh you know it's it's sustainable i guess to use that very 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 necessary word um yeah in the long term just to just to um keep in bit of wall a bit you know I, I, just kind I, of yeah right i guess that's what's probably one of the things that this whole experience has taught us or, or at least enlightened us on is the value of when you retreat and everything that's around yeah. you becomes you know your world again you know it's a it's a big lesson really kind of we, we haven't been doing yeah. that very much for all the reasons that we've and what, what what's crazy is even when we had the kind of the the five k radius, you yeah. know, which seems like ages ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you realize that's a that's a big world, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within five k circle yeah. of here, I'm, I'm liking your five k around here. Well, yeah, very yeah. lucky, you know. But <laughs> yeah. but but it, there's there, there's so much going on, and it's um, yeah, and it, it, yeah. I mean, it's been it's it's been such a lot. Let's face it, it's been such a fucking horrible year for for everyone in lots of ways. But there, there I think there is going to be a real real explosion of creativity coming out creativity explosions and battery power implosions so that's where the conversation with kevin prematurely ended in his shed in ballinafad but now that i know where he lives and works uh, i'm going to come back uh, real soon and this time packing uh, mains power so um, it's on to the second and final and main part of this like audition of make me an island so it's destination the model island but before i get into that i want to tell you about the piece of music that you're listening to right now it's from a project called who's Woods these are commissioned by the Corda Festival by Natalia Bayliss and Ema Reedy and I'm a big fan of, of Natalia's solo work as well as her work with Woven Skull and one of the ambitions for this trip was to drop in uh, to her studio in Drumsna it didn't work out this time but we'll be back again very shortly so check out Whose Woods These Are so on to the Model Island. it's a place very special in my own heart and I want to dedicate this episode uh, to Aoife Flynn who was responsible for bringing me here in the first place uh, which was an act that led me down a whole different direction putting on shows making videos etc so it's brilliant to be back here and uh, and today uh, to interview Steve Wickham so I started by asking him just how it all began well uh, my granny my grandmother who lived in Ballyfermot bought myself and my two cousins fiddles tiny little fiddles we were all three yeah and the three of us were three at the same time all right and out of some kind of um, peculiarity or a kind of uh, what would you call it um, um, you know um, slightly mad thing she bought three little fiddles yeah. anyway and I got my fiddle three and I remember it and I remember playing it and you know I'm not long walking so it's very early memories 
and I broke the thing and I was ashamed of having broken it yeah. and I stuck it at the back of the wardrobe. Right. Hoping that nobody would find it. Yeah. Now, when I say I broke it, I probably just, <laughs> bridge probably fell down or something like that. Right. Anyway, my outfla said to me, oh, you poor wee fella, uh, here's another one and I got another one for Christmas. Mm. I, under the Christmas tree was my fiddle mm. when I was four. And I was kind of disappointed because I thought I got rid of the first one. <laughs> Santa had other plans. Dad had other plans. <laughs> My dad played a little bit. He was a merchant seaman and uh, he took it up late in his late teens and early 20s and uh, uh, scratched away at it for a few years. He went to the College of Music. And I think like a lot of um, kids whose parents want to be musicians, they kind of projected onto their children and think, yeah. oh, I think it wouldn't it be lovely if Johnny played the fiddle because yeah. I'd love to play the fiddle. Yeah. Not because Johnny would love to play the fiddle, mm-hmm. but I would love to play the fiddle. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 that was my encounter with the violin. And so I never really got on with it for a long time. Is that you so? Know, no, I, I, it took me away from f- football. Yeah. Yeah, my mates. And I got a lot of slagging. There used to be a, a character on the te- television at the time, uh, Lambert's Puppet Show, you know, and they had a... Oh, yeah, well, I, I, I know these guys. Forty yeah. Coats, no? Yeah, no, they had a character called Brogy and the Magic Fiddler. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't know. And he was an Irish... Yeah, it was in... in on, on, <laughs> the kids at school would say to me, oh, here comes, here comes Brogy. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, here's, here's Brogy. So, <laughs> I was terrible. Hated it. Frogine is a terrible name without knowing anything about the public Little, or anything like that. Is yeah. it? But um, so, but so, I mean, there, there's an element of, of, I suppose, pucking the trend in the sense of, of, of going to the school of music, right? Am I right in saying? Well, yeah, I did think any of your mates do uh, Well, that? in Dublin, Dublin, we weren't in a, we weren't in a traddy, traddy vibe, really. You know, my um, grandfather played a bit of harmonica and played a little bit of few tunes on harmonica, actually, but. He was gone by the time I was a kid, so I didn't see him. And my my dad's parents were from Offaly, but they didn't have music. Mm-hmm. So there was a kind of a, a definitely a sense of the countryside in the family, but without the mm-hmm. without that culture. The, the culture that we had was very Dublin jazz. Yeah. My dad was into jazz. My mother was into rock and roll. It was uh-huh. it, that was where we were at. And the, uh, and the kind of for want of a better word, bourgeoisie of you know we have to send the young fella to the College of Music. Yeah. And it, it was it, it was, was aspirational. That. Aspirational, uh, so, I think so. Uh, but for you, it was being you know labelled. For me, it was penance. Stuff. Yeah. So 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 if you don't mind talking about the period of the penance period, because um, obviously you stuck through the you know your penance and, and you came out the other oh, side. Oh, it was a gift. It was a gift in one yeah. hand. Obviously, it's my life's my whole life. Yeah. Spent well, was doing there a, was there a turning even in those years? Of well, some, there was so, a there was a I had a I've said this before to other people. I had a an epiphany. All right, mm-hmm. I was about thirteen or fourteen. I was practicing away and I was playing something like this. And it was playing itself outside of the dots on the page. The dots on the page were one thing, and then it, right. it, it went off the page. Wow. And, um, wow, that's, that's and that, that beautiful. And, uh, and so that, that you, can, you can remember that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's Tiffany, pr- profound, you don't forget, right? profound <laughs> moment, yeah. yeah. It, was like, uh, it was like flying or something like that. Yeah, so suddenly I left the body. where it, was, it elevated you yeah. and, and it, the thing. 
Yeah. And and from there on in, it was the road was different. Well, it, that was just a door open for a minute, and then it, mm. it closed probably the next day. I still yeah. had to go back to violin lessons, but yeah. it was it was just a little opening. And um, the next, I was about thirteen or fourteen, and the next thing, uh, I went to a gig with my girlfriend to see Horslips. Oh yeah. And we were we were down in. Um, What's that place where the horse fair is and Kerry down in... Um, oh, Puck, Killorglin. Puck, Killorglin. <laughs> yeah. I was in Killorglin. Oh, and we yeah. saw, we went to see uh, the horse ups in the local the local hall. I'd say that was fun. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> Absolutely wild. There's not, there's no, I mean, yeah, I can imagine. And I was in the so, front. So hold on, hold on. Yeah. So, so you take yeah. it from the top, yeah. right? So you're in Kerry, you're, you're, you're 15 or 16. Yeah. And, and previously you haven't you haven't really known you have you heard the horse lips you've you've obviously i heard saw the, the posters around town actually right. i didn't know anything about oh, them right so but it just kind of working our way up to the epiphany now. oh yeah <laughs> i've had i've had this this inner self epiphany but then the outer all the fiddle the fiddle world just seemed to me like fritz chrysler yeah that's what it was it was the records my dad was listening to yeah it was the music i was practicing in the college of music yeah it was the violin was was uh smelt of um, yeah. you know varnish and rosin and uh, <laughs> uh, it was all it yeah. smelt of um, hard work and and virtuoso it was, Mozart. It was in, a, it it was was in a, a particular place that couldn't it couldn't break out of that so but before yeah. we leave that steve can can we can we play for its chrysler just to, so we oh, can yeah. listen to that and see what yeah. you think or, or how it how it sounds now to you before we go to yeah. epiphany okay. number two <laughs> at puck Oh no, that's the wrong one, hey, right? This one? Yeah. yeah. Quite romantic, it's very romantic. Mm. We can actually talk for a while over this because I can I can already edit it. Um, and so, so, you, so was there a room in the house where there was music or records? Was this recording or was this just... There was, yeah. There was a kind of the room, you know, at the back that nobody ever went into at all. The, that was only open on a Sunday. Okay. It was a gramophone. We had a beautiful gramophone. Um. Okay, right. I mean, so around that time that you're in, in, in the School of Music, you're, you're all, your Sundays are, are in there listening to music or there's that that's no, a listen, sacred place? It, it, well, it's... It's a sacred place. Was not given over to me alone because I've I've lots of brothers and sisters. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was a shared it was a shared space really. Mm -hmm. Funny, funny, funny place because it was where we did our, um, our homework most of the time. Okay, and Sunday dinner and the rest of the time it was deserted, mm -hmm. but it was everything was perfect in it. You know, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the table was polished. Yeah, the sideboard there with all the and, cups and, and not saucers. open rest of not the open the rest even of the week. Loads of people around and small no, house. No, no, I, that's no, mad because no. yeah. I, I know that thing of you know the way there's a in Kerry it's called the room. It's the down room. in the room. It doesn't yeah. the room. It's kind of that the way you say that has you, you have to get that it's also locked for it. It has where the Christmas cake and the drink is and all yeah. those things and yeah. you know Cyborg. it's in the room. Yeah, <laughs> I had a kind of a aura about it now when I think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. a gramophone. I mean, so with with your dad's records. I mean, was that was his job a thing that brought him? I my my dad not my dad had. To, my dad listened to all the terrible, I, th I thought it was terrible at the time, uh, Ray Conniff. I don't know if you ever heard of Ray Conniff. It was no. kind of... Um, Maybe there's a reason why. The peanut vendor. Okay, no. 
it's kind of 50s jazz okay it's, yeah it's kind of uh, not Miles this, Davis actually, actually a lot of he had records like this okay. he, he had classical records that he yeah. listened to yeah so yeah. you know we're we're still a long way from horse lips and fog here. Oh yeah. Well, we do, by the time we were about fourteen and fifteen, our records started to arrive. Okay. Okay. And uh, okay. They, they were pushed out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we. So like, uh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we could, yeah. But I mean, is there something? I mean, when you're trying to reach this place technically, right? Which you were, right? Were you? Well, uh, you other people been. had it in mind for me to get to reach it yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would try. Actually, I would do my my best, and I was kind of put in notes that weren't there. Much yeah. to the, I'd add in little bits, you know. That's the crux of the matter about you know the what in, the interesting thing is. It gets interesting for me when the notes that aren't there starts to appear. But like you know, technically that's wrong. Well, it's. <laughs> bloody, it's a difficult instrument to play the violin. Yeah. You know, it really is. It's it's. I, yeah. And when you hear it played like this, what I mean, what is there? Is there what do you in that? Are there things that, that are I can hear his I can hear his heart and soul in it actually. Yeah, right. Uh, I know he was a doctor, Fritz Kreisler, and he was a doctor in the First World War. Uh huh. And he wasn't the most perfect of the fiddle players of his time. That mm-hmm. he was a very famous fiddle player, but he wasn't mm-hmm. perfect. There were great players like Yasha Heifetz and. Um, you know Yehudi Menuhin and all that that people were loved better or he, they were more they were more respected than Fritz Kreiser Fritz Kreiser was great though yeah yeah. Um, so maybe we can just jump on um, Steve to, to back to Puck right and um, so just before we hear King of the Fairies like the nature of that revelation was that the instrument that you had been learning could sort of be the basis of the other dreams that you had been exposed to. I think it's the context, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at violin in the context of the orchestra and uh, those records. And then Mm -hmm. I went to to Kilarglan with my girlfriend and we saw the horse lips and there was a fiddle player Mm -hmm. and he was plugged in and the music was loud Mm -hmm. and it was rock. Mm -hmm. And uh, Charlie looked amazing. He looked like the king of the fairies himself mm-hmm. I was in the front row and he had a pair of brogues on these <laughs> beautiful shiny brogues yeah. and the band were rocking behind and they were quite psychedelic actually yeah, they, yeah. they were oh yeah yeah and they were Irish yeah. not that I I thought there was any world except Ireland at the time yeah yeah this yeah, was still yeah. when there was no other world it was just yeah sure yeah 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 and I didn't associate the music they were making with it being from rural Ireland or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just, yeah. it was just rock music. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. was only later on that the that I realised actually that's that's a that's a tune. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. In the context of that, yeah, yeah, uh, you could have somebody playing on a tin whistle somewhere. Um, let's hear it and we'll we'll talk a little yeah. bit again. So.
So, um, Steve, that um, the actual memories, I presume they're still strong of, of that kind of the, atm- oh, yeah. the atmosphere in there. Because, you know, I, I, I know the territory really well. And um, I mean, as well as it being a huge game changer for you sonically, it, it must have been just a bit of an eye opener in, in many other ways. Yeah, well, it did. It made me think, oh, you can make that kind of a sound with the fiddle. You can plug it in. So let's get that together. And I went out to, to uh, Bacullah Pickets when I got back to Dublin. And my mother took out a higher purchase loan to buy me a little pickup for the fiddle. And we've got this pickup that's stuck on the fiddle and uh, plugged it into the radiogram. Yeah. I didn't have an amp. I used yeah. to take the head off the radiogram, plug it in, and I could make this sound. Yeah. Ugly sound. And then I started discovering these other wailing banshee sounds. Yeah. That seemed kind of like, you know, they were po- it was possible to... They're not on the dots. Yeah, right. You can look right. at all the dots you like, but you're not going to see <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. And it, it was a, there was a noise in there, and it was spoke to my angry <laughs> self. I, I like the idea of uh, something off the dots, the idea of it being, yeah, it's good, right? <laughs> Off-roading. Um, but just uh, just while we're on the horse lips, right, I, yeah. I heard Barry Devlin on the radio um, not so long ago talking about horseps playing um breaking or, or i mean they i think they did more than one but um of big tours in america the jay giles band were were along with them or they were opening for them something yeah. like that yeah and they were also sort of on the way up yeah and the way barry tells us you know they were hanging around after the shows and and uh, charlie o'connor playing tunes and the lads jay giles band were always saying i'll play that one again you know and it's a kerry yeah. hornpipe or something i don't know what the actual provenance of it yeah. and so like the lads are playing the tunes all the time and then six months later or however months later <laughs> definitely isn't it yeah definitely <laughs> so there you go all the way oh, to yeah. straight to number one yeah. but um so when you start to kind of realize there's a whole different thing going on off the dots with the vi- with the fiddle right? well it was also cool it was also yeah. as a young player 14 years of age 15 whatever uh, it, it, it suddenly was a, a cool place to be that guy on the stage with the lights on him and he plugged in and my girlfriend was beside me and she was just staring at the at the musicians the whole night and I was just thinking <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> take attention. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was a very um, naive kind of a thing, but uh, uh, certainly, you know, th- there was an attraction in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but then I, I listened to the music and I started getting into all these um, records that we had the tracks tracks from the vaults. They had these great, I did, uh, the Book of Invasions, and they had great covers with these amazing covers that Charlie O'Connor used to do. Charlie was a, an artist. I got to know them later on mm-hmm. then when I when mm-hmm. I uh, joined in Tuanua. The first thing I did, because the uh, horses had broken up at the time, mm-hmm. I found Charlie O'Connor who was living in a flat in, in Portobello in London. Right. And I would call around to his flat and I bought two fiddles of him, his electric fiddles, oh, a black okay. one and a white one. Wow. And, uh, that, that he, and, that he and had mandal. obviously used and played. Oh, they were they were the they were the the horses fiddles. All yeah. oh, right, so there was a cha- there was a uh, passing, passing on, on of the, of the baton. Yeah, yeah there right. was, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> God, that must have been good. So so and and still at the point where you're you're picking up tricks and tunes off him as well as as fiddles. Well, I, I, it's very eclectic, as you say. You know, but this is I'm about nineteen or twenty. By this time now, I've I've been in 
I've I've had a lot of bands. I was in my band in in, in Ballyferma with my cousin, and we're in we're listening to Shakti and El Shankar that mm-hmm. I was telling you about earlier on, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. uh, listening to jazz and Stephen Capelli, and so by the time Horses was one facet of a whole. Um, you know, many, many facets of whatever the violin was to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But you there's know? an intense period beginning there where you're, as well as every time you, you discover a new dimension of what the instrument can do, you're kind of gravitating and learning yeah. more and, and absorbing that. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, I suppose so. I mean, there's a funny kind of a thing, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, you're playing it and you're, you're playing it without knowing why you're playing it you're just playing it because it's something that you can do it's a mm-hmm. your it's your performance i don't know about you donald but certainly as an irish kid growing up you had this thing where uh, everybody would do their party piece yeah johnny would have a song the sister would have her poem mm-hmm. somebody have a recitation and for me it was playing the fiddle that was a thing i could do it wasn't a thing i kind of visioned myself being a fiddle player i, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a, a a doctor or an inventor or something like that when I was mm-hmm. all the time until I left school. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a, a musician. Mm-hmm. Musician was n- not on my radar. So mm-hmm. when I saw the horses at 15, I still didn't want to be a musician. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw that another facet of what the violin mm-hmm. world was like, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and the thing that we were you were saying about traveling, is that is that... Does that come after, is long after you've seen the horse lips, as in going around Europe and playing the fiddle busking? Yeah, not that long after. That, I mean, I'm, after. I'm in about 21 when I when I headed out on the road. Yeah. I, I worked in the bank when I came out of school straight away, straight in the bank. I, w- I went to college, but left it. We, we couldn't get the money. My parents hadn't got the money to send me to the college. They had, uh, there wasn't, you had to pay for it that yeah. time. And um, there was a lot of kids in the family, six kids. So they actually couldn't afford to send me to college and I hadn't a job or anything like that. I wanted to go and do science in, in, I got into first year science and then left. Anyway, poor me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I went into the bank for three years and then I got, I had the band with the cousin at the weekend. We right. got together. I put my earring in at the weekend and took it out <laughs> uh, when I went to the bank. Yeah, I think you you possibly be allowed wear it now if probably. you were in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had three years in the civil service. There's some similarities going here, where yeah. um, you know um, that was no fun, I'm sure. But I mean, well, great friends. I, I love the friendship and the pints and the and the, mm. and the crack. And, and the, yeah, but uh, well, absolutely for, for sure. In my case too. The 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 thing about it though. So I'm just interested. Where, where is into a new in this bit? Is this? So on two and twenty one, I'm about twenty twenty three. I come back to I, I went okay. I go on the road for about a, a couple of years with my cousin. Yeah, and we're getting into jazz. We're playing a lot of swing, yeah. playing a lot of Stephen Capelli. We go to Paris. Yeah, living in, living in Paris, and then I come back after a year actually. Yeah, uh, to home. My brother didn't recognize me. I knocked on the door. I'd grown <laughs> a beard, had a suntan. My brother didn't know who I was. Yeah. I walked in the door and. Uh, then um, I, I start busking on the streets of Dublin with, with yeah. my cousin. Can I just stop you there just to say about, uh, can we, can we, do you mind if we go to Stefan Capelli and, and have a listen to, to that yeah. tune now, if that's okay? Yeah. Because, um, so, I mean, I suppose, think about, you, you, did you discover as you went along, you, so it was, 
France and other countries or, or just France and uh, we started out in Copenhagen uh, for a yeah. couple of months in in, um, in Copenhagen yeah busking 20 below zero oh, okay. we had these uh, gloves with the fingerless gloves oh, amazing and uh, but did, did you I guess you found out that um, you know when it comes to uh, I mean the fiddle is is a common language isn't it that it's it's in music oh yes it is all, yeah all yeah. folk yeah, and, and, sure. and lots of different cultures, yeah. and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it is. Um, it's very portable. The fiddle. That's yeah, the thing. yeah, 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 yeah. So it 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 is the backbone of many folk cultures. Yeah. Whether it's the Jewish uh, klezmer, or the Scandinavian. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. Or the yeah. Irish culture. Yeah. American fiddle music. Yeah. Italian. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and we'll say when you're busking, did you get a feel for? you know, the thing that you saw the first time with the horse lips of that kind of connection of, of connecting with an audience or, or was that no, I, still I got too that, early? I got, the, that in, I got that in secondary school, actually. Yeah. We had, as soon after, as soon after I uh, I saw the horse lips, I got a band together in school. I went back to school. Mm-hmm. I went to St. Vinton's school and I put a poster up on the wall and I said, uh, a drummer needed. And my mate in the school was a fellow called Jack Dublin who played with Rocky Devilair and the Gravediggers mm-hmm. and who went on to join me in a band uh, into Anua. Jack was in the school with me and I put up this poster with a badly drawn picture of animal drummer needed <laughs> and my friend Jack Dublin was so embarrassed because I mean uh, it was quite naive they're all into uh, into rock and roll and, and, and punk rock and everything else like this and here's this fiddle player putting up this picture of uh, uh, animal <laughs> yeah. looking for a drummer so he says come here come here come here and we went down to his house and we started a band right and it was me, fiddle, Jack Dublin, guitar player, and two guitar players. And we went to the, we got a gig in the in the local hall, the local, the the, the dance hall. And um, which one is that? Pardon? Wh- which which lo- in in, in St. Vincent's in Sutton, Sutton, actually Sutton. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, shortly before us, I'd seen you two play in the same hall, but they weren't called you two. They were called uh, oh the hype or something. They were called yeah, yeah. feedback. Okay, right, feedback, yeah. Yeah. and they were playing nights in white satin. Okay, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my so they were on one week, and we were on the we were on the next week. We were called uh, synergy, and we had this main. We did the high reel, the horse lips. So I wanted okay. to do the horse okay, lips. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. And we played that, and all the kids threw their hats up, and I saw. The effect and the, the effect, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. I'd seen in Kalorgla, like, yeah, the other I could, side, so I could yeah. do it. Yeah, and we all came out wearing sunglasses. Okay. So the show was on at that point. Showbiz, <laughs> I could see where showbiz. Yeah. But um, let's yeah. let's actually, you know what, badly drawn animal is funny, Steve, because um, you know there was a, a guy badly drawn boy of here. Yeah. a badly drawn animal is a good name for a band, yeah. as well as getting your thing on the show on the road. So um, just go, let's go back to the busking for a minute, right? Um, I was also the the um. So that must have been like a real baptism in terms of 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 kind of finding your way in other cultures, playing, oh, having yeah. to cut it in as such, right on other yeah. on other streets in other, you know what I mean? As in an early example of you know the way music breaks ground and you're and you're in, sort of when you when you got to tour. Eventually, yeah, I think it flew. We flew. We it was like a little boat. We were able to f- take our little boat. Myself and my cousin. We had another another mandolin player, three three piece. We were called Spondulix. We used to play. <laughs> play in in outside the brothels in paris and in little restaurants where all the hookers would hang out and we'd play in the streets 
and busk and on the trains we'd play on the on the on the uh, underground and it really was a baptism of fire sometimes we'd i'd have to do solo mm-hmm. but there was a whole subculture and um great collection of buskers mm-hmm. it was in a time in paris they got rid of them all actually shortly after we left but there were there were um actors and puppeteers and mm-hmm. um you know um gymnasts and everything on the train you had six stations okay. to do your act you wow. start out in the first station and by the time you got to the sixth station you'd have to finish the act bottle the crowd turn around and go back again wow and you do this all day yeah no way um and so look we'll we'll play Stefan Crelly lovely idea of 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 performing on the train and having to get it together for six, six stations. stations yeah lovely Chatelet de Champs-Élysées <laughs> So Stefan Grappelli, I mean, in, in, in his, I mean, he, he's got a whole Impossible. dimension of sound unto himself, right? 
Oh, Stephen Capelli, the absolute master uh, and uh, influence for every violin player of my generation mm-hmm. and, and this time in the world anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had such sweetness and... Um, A tenderness that's just... Yeah, so it's, there's no end to it. He's the beauty no, of his playing. It's, yeah, beautiful. And it's kind of um, gypsy and it's kind of... Uh, yeah, it, just, bring, it brings a, a flavor to it. That's that, that that just which is actually probably a nice bridge onto what Scarlett brings to the Desire sound to Bob Dylan. We were going to talk yeah, about she's that very as well. Classical, I think. Scarlett, oh right, so yeah. yeah, right. When you said the gypsy thing, I was like, oh, that's a nice connection between the two. But she does have, um, I mean, she's, she's, a lyric, she's a lovely lyrical player. Yeah, well. she's a mystery to me. Uh, for as somebody who can't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm. I, I can't play, so I don't know. But I mean, well, it's the, just, the, the you know. thing about the thing that Scarlet. When I heard Scarlet, first mm. of all, I heard um, it was violin accompanying a song. It was a violin, ser- what they'd say, what we say, serving the song. Mm-hmm. With Stephen Capelli, he is the he's the main man. It's, mm-hmm. You're focused on the yeah. on the on the, the the tune, or even with Charlie playing something like the King of the Fairies or High Reel, it's the focus is on the fiddle there. But yeah. with Scarlet. The focus was obviously Bob singing, but then yeah. what Scarlett is doing around the, she's weaving around the, the song, yeah. which I hadn't really heard much of. Yeah. And yeah. same with Tony Marcus when we get on to it. Yeah. To get on to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that afterwards. Yeah. But but I mean, so, so, so I suppose that's something that, you know, it's a thing that you... Uh, I mean, it's something that you've you've done throughout your 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 working career as a musician. As in, you've you've found your way with lyrics and with yeah. songs and singers, yeah. uh, and there's so much to that. But yeah. that that would have been an early example of, of you seeing. Oh well, that's how it, it works. Yeah, yeah. Kind of Definitely. the epitome of that of that of accompaniment. I guess yeah, you're talking about, really, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I start, you know, and I start playing with my cousin who was writing his own songs. That's what I, I always loved working with people who were writing their own songs. I never mm-hmm. liked being in a covers band mm-hmm. or playing. I, I did start out playing in a in a band called Blanket Weed, and they did all Christy Moore's songs, and we did Red as the Rose and Planksty songs and things like that. And it was good fun. It was great fun playing music. But one of the guys in the band wrote his own songs. A fella called Vinnie Plossy. And he, uh, I just loved playing with his songs because mm-hmm. when they were coming from him and not from a record he'd learned, it meant I, we were sharing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was being made at the same time. Mm-hmm. This it had meaning in the moment and yeah, had weight. It had something different. This is this guy. I was working with a guy. I was playing with a guy who was singing something that he believed in, or mm-hmm. something that he'd seen. His unique vision, mm-hmm. and he was allowing me to share this mm-hmm. look out at the world. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm in his head. I'm mm-hmm. allowed to be in yeah, his head. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not in. I'm not trying to learn the part that somebody else played. I'm not mm-hmm. in his head. I'm mm-hmm. in. I'm allowed to be in my head, in his head. Yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean. And I guess, and and again, so. You know, that, I mean, that's a liberating thing and in, in to be sort of allowed to, to oh, yeah. operate in that dimension. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Sharing headspace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, c- c- just before we, we, we listen to Hurricane, Steve, um, I mean, where do we start with this man? So, so but, right, yesterday when I was looking through, I saw that picture of you on the stage in uh, Slane with Dylan. Oh, yeah. How yeah. did that happen? Oh, there. where is it? 
Oh, there it is, right. Well, that's 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 backstage. Oh, Bono's in the way again. We're talking, and I'm saying I'm saying to him, wow. "Listen, man, I played I, I played so many of your songs in, in bars and things like that." And he's totally unimpressed, and he said, "Well, do you know uh, Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat, man?" And I said, I don't, "I don't know that one. I should have done it. It's a twelve. It's a it's a blues. It's a twelve bar. You you get big enough, man. There's no problem." <laughs> <laughs> and and the and then you're on the stage, right? Yeah, I'm on the stage, well, seventy thousand people. And so is that the rest of the band there? So I can I know Leslie. No, Dowdle, it's right? only me and Leslie. Okay. The, the, the tour manager came back and brought us around. There a couple of guys. So you're right by. So uh, and I'm looking. Dylan's got a cigarette. He's got the eyeliner. He's got. He's he's eyeballing you with the eyeliner, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> he's, he's a lot younger than I am now. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, which, yeah. And then there's, and the river is there, the Boyne, Boyne Dillon. Boyne. That's a some... fantastic photo. Yeah. Um, so, so hold on. So, so what do you do before the, the age of, of going and looking up at, on your phone? How do you, oh, so it's, he says it's a blues, right? Yeah, it's a 12 bar blues. Oh, okay, you know the right. form, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, wow. Well, with a blues, you know, it's only three chords, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah right, yeah. The first, the fifth, and the fourth. Yeah. And so, so that was it. That was that was the conversation, and that's what happened. That's the conversation, yeah. And I, I, I said to the tour manager, I said, "Listen, man, we were we were so low on the bill in two and two, on the bottom of the bill. Yeah. Can we get fed? So we got fed as a as a as a payment for oh, doing wow, it. Oh wow, nice. And um, and it was a great gig, actually. He mm-hmm. played. It was the last gig of I think of his tour. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Santana was on the stage, and Mick Taylor, and. Uh, I was welcomed on the stage by the lovely um, keyboard player that played with the uh, faces. What was his name? Uh, uh, McLagan, Ian McLagan. Oh yes, right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 was right beside me. Hey man, well beckoned me on the stage, mm-hmm. sent me out the middle, started playing. Dylan looked over me, his eyebrow went up when the solo. I had to walk out to the middle of the stage and play the solo, <laughs> and then walk back again. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, but it, but you know obviously but at that point you would have had you know you would have got into this work and 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 been a fan of, of oh Desire. I was a big fan Huge of Dylan fan. yeah yeah but actually by the time I'd seen Dylan I have to say I'd gone off he was a bit had gone off him a bit because mm-hmm. he'd gone into did you tell him that no <laughs> no I was into the early uh, like a Rolling Stone and all that all that stuff yeah right and I, by then I was into punk rock and I was into The Clash and I was into mm-hmm. um, you know Lou Reed and uh, Dylan was a bit Fat Elvis mm-hmm. for me then mm-hmm. right right but in fact in fact if I if I was as if I'd had my head this head on he was fantastic yeah really yeah. really fantastic yeah. and he held the audience in the palm of his hand he had two sets and he went down to himself on the guitar just for the middle of the set mm-hmm. and when he put his mouth to the harmonica just to play his kind of mm-hmm. quirky harmonica 70,000 people just let out a bellow of mm-hmm. appreciation mm-hmm. and it was an amazing mm-hmm. thing to see yeah yeah um just on, on the um, again before we get into it, but the, the Rolling Thunder review film, Steve, you, you've watched that. Oh yeah, right? I love it. I mean, it's a it's a really for Dylan fans, and and you know I've met people who who, who didn't enjoy it, but um, for fans, it's it's a really amazing thing to get a snapshot that deep into the yeah. the whole operation. Yeah, beautiful. At such a critical time, which is the time we're talking about right now. It's seventy six, seventy seven, yeah. right? I mean, Dylan's still going. He's still out there. He's yeah. still he's still doing it. Yeah, he's still. It's amazing when you think about it. You know, yeah. he started. It's uh, sixty years on the yeah. road. Yeah, I mean, to me, right? I, I, 
the most recent have you heard the recent stuff the, yeah the, yeah i love it i don't know about you but oh, I, I love it absolutely yeah it's it's amazing now um I'm actually trying to stop saying the word incredible on this whole project is like been about hundreds of um, <coughs> examples. Of, it's got into double figures in single episodes of the show. But um, but um, he did an interview recently with the, the New York Times. I, I don't know if you read it. No. It's, it was syndicated around. But I mean, he doesn't put a foot wrong in when he's talking, you know, as in he does it so rarely. And as oh, in I think I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. He never there was just so many insights into his thinking and, and he's still thinking the same as he, he always thought, you know, as in that's one of the remarkable things about him is that his commitment to the cause is as strong as it ever was. And, and that's, you know, it's, uh, well, when I was just uh, playing the guitar the other day and I was singing that song blowing in the wind, you know, mm -hmm. and I thought as a kid, when I used to listen to Dylan, you probably have the same thing yourself that attracted me to singer songwriters was I would always think that there was a, a subtext. There was the plot of the narrative of the song mm -hmm. and there was a hint of a subtext. Mm -hmm. And that always attracted me as, a, as, a, as a, a listener of music when I heard the subtext in a song. Some people do it really masterfully and some people have maybe several layers of, of subtext. Beautiful writing. Leonard Cohen used to do the same thing. But Dylan... Blown in the Wind is such a straightforward folk song, right? Mm -hmm. you, we used to do it in the choir in school. Yeah. And I'm listening to it today and all the stuff that's going on with the Black Lives Matter. And it's 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 just a, 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 a song. When it, I can see Dylan addressing racism in America yeah. in that song powerfully. Yeah. That it didn't strike me as powerfully as it has done in the last yeah. couple of days. So prescient, I guess, is the word where he just seems to see into the future almost. And like, but so even with Hurricane, right? Yeah. I mean, he calls it all out in that song. Oh, yeah. Every single thing. And if you, yeah, he, t he talks about the problem of being black in America. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah where justice is a game and look at it now, you know? So, yeah. but I mean, that New York Times article, I guess, you know, it's, I think uh, it's, it's, you should always check in with what he's saying. I think it's just, he's one of the, he's probably singular in that respect oh, of yeah. being somebody I who's just so. never loses any of that power. He's just still got a tight hold of it, you know? Um, so will we just listen to a bit of, we'll listen to Hurricane. Shots ring out in a barroom night Into Betty Valentine from the upper hall She sees a bartender in a pool of blood Cries out, my God, they've killed them all Here comes the story of the hurricane The man the authorities came to play For something that he never done Put in a prison cell, but what? champion of the world Three bodies lying there does Patty see And another man named Bello moving around mysteriously 
I, I think that the film is very uh, the Rolling Thunder review is um, is very interesting for uh, many things, but it shows you also how that song was really written as as in a very urgent way in terms of he wanted to say something and get it out and and to to make this message it was clearly very important at that time. You know, yeah. it had carried so much weight. Um, but even what we were just talking about before about him knowing, I mean, the value of of I mean, it was it was uh, he was really blazing a trail in terms of giving the information to the people via song you know what yeah. i mean as in he's saying stuff yeah that would 
would get you shot at that time still yeah. in America, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, there's... And he could say it because he was a big star. This is it, right? Yeah. So he wasn't... He, his, his bravery there is... He's, yeah. I mean, you know, he's, 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 he's more than a decade into his career at that point. But it's like he's taking it right to the heart of the matter, you know? There's a couple of interesting things, I think, about that particular song. is he wrote it with Jack Levi, in Levy, mm-hmm. who was a playwright. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think Levy had a lot to do with the lyrics of it. Right. And it's kind of like almost uh, stage instructions. Enter Betty Valentine from the... So it's, it's, okay. it's, it reads like a like a, a script for a play. Gotcha. That's one thing I find interesting about it, lyrically. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, I think Dylan had the same thing when he went from folk music. He imagined himself as a Woody Guthrie. He was doing one-man guitar. Mm-hmm. And did you ever see that Dave Pennybaker film, Don't Look Back? Yes fantastic it's just him and the guitar he's able to do it he's got mm-hmm. the whole audience mm-hmm. he plays the Royal Albert Hall him mm-hmm. and the guitar and his harmonica that we all get the lyrics and then he comes back and he plugs himself in and I was just thinking about it he went electric literally electric he went from no electricity yeah. to electricity yeah and that that jump from from into that actually has a huge uh, effect, I think, yeah, it had an yeah. effect on a, it. On a, first of all, his projection and how we see and observe. Yeah, and I get that. I, I don't understand. Yeah, that. absolutely. I mean, but you you can be sure that I mean he had he had a kind of a. I mean, his his commitment to his art made him, you know, he he his journey through sound was, you know, he is always finding his way in 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 that department too, as well as the you know the his lyrical path. Well, we love Dylan anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so, Steve, I'm going to just, um, let. will we stick to it or do you, would it be a good time to take a break and, and listen to the song of Lost Things or can we do that later? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, yeah. look, let's do that. So, right. Yeah. So, um, can we just, so this was recorded in, in 2017. So like, I know we're, we're jumping on ahead to, to what you're doing with your, with, with your music here. Yeah. But uh, we'll get back to the trajectory of the story. Um, when it comes to the making of this record, um, I mean, it has so much care and attention to detail. It was how long did it take to kind of conceive that one? I uh, it was a long time. I had a list on the wall there for a long time of uh, of songs and bits and pieces that should be collected, and I just looked. I, I might be behind that. I don't. Know oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. know well, you don't need to, you don't need to see it, but it was yeah. sitting there. I, I'd have these bits of tunes from the SoundCloud and from. Yeah. The, and uh, you know, playing with the Water Boys and playing with No Crows and playing with doing all the things, I never really had time to do my own yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh, they were saying, "What about me? What about me? What about me?" <laughs> and uh, I, eventually, I just had to say, "Okay, better, better answer these guys. They're on the wall, calling you from the they wall. They were calling me from the wall from scribble, and I just uh, yeah, I got it together. And um, I met my uh, the guitar player from Water Boys, Joe Chester. He was in the Water Boys at the time. Yeah great singer songwriter and yeah. artist in his own right joe said oh yeah give us a, i'll give you a hand and produced it and okay. we got a band together in dublin uh the songs uh, probably gestating over about 10 years maybe yeah. even more okay um, yeah. and and the, the song yeah okay great um so katie kim is on this one right yeah um you know, you've worked with Katie yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Katie's great. Um, so look, let's hear it and we can chat about it. Yeah.
son tonight a widow will weep I'm a man on horseback Picasso painted blue picturing moments moments of you a bottle of wine a moment of flux you were all mine I could tell by your looks I'm an amateur beekeeper Keep on me when it comes to the writing and that commitment to you know your own project mm. was that kind of like I suppose uh, my question is was that a, a, a release or a first time that you could get that deep into it really and give it that much attention in a long time yeah I mean it's it, it, yes it was uh, it was a, a bit of a luxury Donald as well you know uh, mm-hmm. I had a 
a few bob saved and I said well I can I can get a band into the studio mm-hmm. you know that would, it, it was a luxury to make it mm-hmm. really uh, and then when it comes to sort of like you know hearing it back how, how does it it's three years now right I'm glad if it feels like a release it feels like the, that slip isn't on the wall and yeah. it's, uh, it's done <laughs> it's gone yeah. I don't have these wherever they came from I don't know where they came from a lot of those things you know yeah. and I feel like I've honoured them and let them go mm-hmm uh, that's what I feel. I have a lot of other stuff there that's starting to, you know, twitch at me now. Yeah. But uh, I there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, you, you know, I got it. Has to be the right place in the right time to do them all. Yeah. And, yeah. Um. So yes, it feels like release. I feel I've been released from the. Yeah. From that. Yeah. Sounds yeah. a bit pretentious. That. But Not that's at all. Feels no. like. You shall be released. Uh, while you have the fiddle in your hand, actually, yeah. um, Steve, is there? Is there? Um, we were going to. I mean, when when we were talking earlier about the kind of journey, you know, the the the, the different road back to the to the trad tunes or to discover those things. I mean, when, when it came to um, playing in sessions or playing. In, in in around the country or whatever did did that when did you feel comfortable to do that or when did that start happening where you're kind of uh, I think I realized my my um, the depth of it the the, the tunes when I met Vinnie Kilduff mm-hmm. was uh, is a fantastic whistler and piper mm-hmm. and I met Vinnie when I was playing with you too and we were both on the ba- in the band he was playing the pipes on a song and Vinnie introduced me to just the the depth of the well of traditional music, and then Vinnie and I were were in into Anua, and so he started. I couldn't believe that any one man could be could know so many tunes. Really? Yeah, I I knew the I knew the horse lips, all the horse lips tunes, yeah. and I thought I was doing well. And then I'd learned a few with my cousin. I thought I was really doing well, but there was an he was a, a walking uh, O'Neill's Bible of tunes. Right. And um, so then, of course. You know, working out with the water boys in the west of Ireland, uh, go down to Hughes's Bar and Spittle and mm-hmm. meet Charlie, uh, Charlie Lennon and mm-hmm. all the gang that were down there. And I realised this is very deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really very yeah. deep. Yeah, and uh, and so the, I could I could I could play fiddle for the rest of my life, and I would still never even scratch the surface it's so yeah deep. it's so deep I, I heard I, I the version of the gold ring that I heard you play I, I looked that up last night You're, there's a version online of you playing that yeah. for Seamus Ennis yeah would that be one you could play sure, sure. give it a go I was, it's a bit of a challenge this one oh, because, uh, okay well then we can yeah I'll give it a go yeah right? give it. we can pick something else yeah. if it's not working out well the gold ring is the, is the great Seamus Ennis is actually one of the few Dubliners, mm-hmm. who he's from Fingal, he's mm-hmm. from North County Dublin, yeah, and he has this. He's a. It's where our traditional music really lives in the it, Dublin spirit. Yeah, with, with um, James Ennis. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always considered a, a rural thing, but actually, yeah, it's rural Dublin. Yeah, and and actually, I'm looking at a poster of Johnny Cash there, yeah. right? And and it's in uh, California, but he. He played in the ballroom in Rush, and yeah. you know that that story. You know, no, I know he played a lot around. Yeah, Ireland. he played he played in Rush in the ballroom yeah. in Rush. There's a documentary about that, but uh, and you know what? It's a great part of the world, North County Dublin, oh, yeah. right? That's why I saw horses there as well. Oh right, playing in Scaries a lot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean that part of the world is I I love. I mean the names Rush, Lusk, Scaries. Come on. Yeah, I it's mean a, it's a, they're all Viking names, aren't they? Scaries. Okay, right. Must be. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but there's somebody controlling the names up there, man. They're so good. Um, but yeah, so Seamus Ennis for sure. The Heartland. So uh, this is a, supposed to be a tune about the the fairies, and uh, you do you want the story or do you want the story? Oh, you want the story? always put the, the button with the story is the one I'm always pressing. Okay. Um, well, Steve. the story is very very simple, and it's a true story from what I believe, and it's uh, someone that Seamus told us Gaelga, but I, my Irish is, is brutal. And he said that uh, there was a young fiddler who lived in the North County Dublin one time and he used to, he'd, he'd go out for a ramble and he'd be um, walking out and he'd go up to the fairy fort, you know, the stones, the old megalithic stones and he'd lie there at night. And the fairies would come out and they'd start dancing and making music and he, he'd look at them on the, on the bank and they wouldn't see him and he wouldn't see them and he'd listen to the music. It's a thing in Irish traditional music, you, you learn tunes a lot of the time by hearing them being played. So he's listening, he falls asleep in the bank, they're all gone, he's no tune in his head. He walks over to where the, the fairies were and he finds a little golden ring, a tiny little golden ring. And he, uh, he, um, he pucks it in his pocket and goes home. And he's, his dawn is breaking, he gets in the door and the mother's up and the mother makes him the breakfast, puts on the ham and eggs and the, there you are, Johnny. And he's, oh yeah, there you are. I was out, out all night. Ah oh, yeah, I was out all night. So he, he has the fry and he goes to the bed and he wakes up about four o'clock in the afternoon and he decides to go out again. He heads out again. There the fairies come out and they're playing the music and there's a lamentation and crying going in among the fairies and sure enough, it's the fairy Piper and he's crying about the fact that he's lost his golden ring and if anybody among the troop should have it, there'd be a great reward. Well, the fiddler picks up his ears and he says to the, the fairy, Sir, sir, is he? Yes, I have it. Here it is. This thing that you lost last night, here it is in my hand and you can you can have it. Oh, the fairy piper is delighted with the, with the ring and he gives the fiddler a tune in repayment, the magic tune that goes like this. No, it's not that one. <laughs> Repository, the Mayo repository of tunes for Nicolas. How, how quickly would you pick up a tune, or is it is it something that you have to give it time? Uh, it depends. Actually, there's two ways. If you pick it up in the Irish way of orally listening to it and learning it that way, you pick it up better. You somehow learn it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go through a whole book of Irish traditional music and I can learn it by the book, and it just sits in a different place in the memory. For it must be it must mm-hmm. be something to the way the way brain works mm-hmm. when you learn it orally. You learn it quicker when you learn it by the dots. You learn it slower, but you learn it slightly better mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, so, so by that period, um, Steve, you would have been like, you know, I suppose it deep in the, in that world of, of, you know, knowing how it works when it's all swimming around and the traditional, in that sense of in Spittle, the heartland, another heartland of the yeah. tradition. Yeah. Well, you know, Donald, it's, it's kind of an endless task music because you, especially when you get into it and, you know, my, my, I didn't specialize uh, as a fiddle player, I didn't specialize as a trad fiddle player or a mm-hmm. jazz fiddle player mm-hmm. or a, or, you know, I just went wherever the music was going at that particular point in time. And mm-hmm. I still like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more you get into it, the more you know, you don't know mm-hmm. whether right. it's writing quartets or mm-hmm. learning Irish traditional music mm-hmm. or trying to get jazz licks together mm-hmm. or make a sound that, that makes a good sound. Mm-hmm. The, that's it. It's yeah, a, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and the stuff that you do know, I mean, it's just like it's. I mean, there's there's um, it's just kind of adapting and and using those things to fit whatever it is the, that, that whatever's required in yeah. any given moment. Yeah, but it's a very supple instrument in the sense that you know it has it has an incredible portable, range so and portable. Port- portable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, um, is there another one that you'd be comfortable playing, Steve? Uh, how about um, the Spanish Misfortune? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on now. I love uh, uh, this one. It's like a lot of Irish tunes have they, they have these great names, you know. Of, and that one is obviously like a, a spell of, of banishing misfortune from a from a situation. And I think that that actually live music does that. It banishes the kind of it banishes the kind of apathy that can sit around. Yeah, right. Nice. I, I, I love the idea of uh, banishing misfortune. I'll, yeah. I think I'll use that. I mean, it's what happens, right, when, when the tune strikes up. Yeah, definitely. If it's working. If it is, yeah. Well, even, even, even if it's, if it's, if, if it's, it's only half working. Yeah, you, you, it almost, 
Lovis works just as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, I thought things were bad, but Jesus, they can't be that bad. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a copyright here. I would seize on some line there, but it, it works even when it's not or something like yeah. that, you know. But um, but that that thing of, of, you know, one of the tunes you choose, The Healing Has Begun, um, we might get time to talk <laughs> about... Um, well, Van Van was is such a such a uh, a spirit, you know. And yeah. he spoke to me when I was a teenager. I don't know about yeah. you. But, oh, big time! You know, put on his record and uh, man alive. But 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 on the, on this one specifically, right? So from into the music. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. On that on that album, mm-hmm. I, I, on that album, into the music, Tony Marcus is on it, and she's a viola player, and a, and she has that same spirit of lyrical playing that's mm. accompanying the it's almost like an echo mm. of Van's voice they they run very parallel so are you like so when you mean an echo it's like that you kind of you're like you're ghosting the main thing as in you're just kind of behind it or around it or, or, or kind of like somewhere I think it's it's a combination of of copying the melody of the vocal line mm-hmm. technically if you're looking at it like that but it's also yeah. it's also up it's also being in the same emotional space that the the vocalist is in yeah you know a drummer is is keeping the groove bass player is kind of getting a groove going but the 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 singer is you know either talking about whatever he's he or she is talking about yeah the 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 soloist in the in the sense of the violin player mm. has to operate in the same emotional sphere and has to be uh, what we said together be in the same mind mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. because the, the 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 vocalist will often hear what the soloist yeah. is doing okay and if they're not resonant with each other mm-hmm. it, it it'll throw the vocalist off mm-hmm. for a start doesn't yeah. which adds to your sense of responsibility on that high wire act right yeah you have to be you have to yeah yeah yeah. is that thing okay so just specifically to do with the stage part of it right i mean you're on stage and Mm -hmm. and that communication system i mean it it obviously varies according to who the singer is but but it's a very it's a very safe very it's very uh, um i've always said it's a very uh kind of um uh intimate yeah intimate thing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um you you can step on the it's very and I've done it a lot of times on a lot of records stepped on people's toes. Yeah, I was gonna you know? I was gonna say that ask the question about what what happens when it it doesn't work. I mean we kind of know what happens. It's it's not nice, but it's well it, it just it is what it is. It's, I mean it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's great when it works because then you really you really dig it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know if uh, there's a lots of. Uh, arcane knowledge as to why it does work or doesn't work you you got to play in tune you mm-hmm. got to play in time mm-hmm. the basics of musicality mm-hmm. have to be there all mm-hmm. the time yeah and then you know sometimes somebody said to me there's no such thing as mistakes as well sometimes the mistakes are the things that yeah. make a make it make it work for some yeah. strange reason yeah right yeah so, but so. it's it's actually what it is i think donald i think it's a i think it's um somebody letting go of making a mistake or not making a mistake. Yeah. As a singer, if a singer is, has got that thing where they're really connected to their singing and they're letting go, they know the lyric, they know what they're doing and they're letting go. Mm-hmm. They're not self-conscious. Mm-hmm. If a, a musician or a soloist is not self-conscious, then that 
if the two of them are in this place of un mm-hmm. self consciousness, mm-hmm. then it's it's great mm-hmm. if they're both looking at the yeah from a distance meeting the points yeah or, or trying to hit spots or whatever. So so is that the ultimate? freedom then to be in that position with, with the you it's know, a the, it's a beautiful place to yeah, be yeah, yeah, in, in, a, yeah. in a band yeah going back to what that the revelation you had with your friend as in hearing him say his words seeing his words for the first time and you going oh i'm with you and your thoughts and your words yeah i guess that informs all of i mean i think i said it to you at the time but i mean that still holds like what you learned that day there yeah about, if this, he, about how important that is and, and well what, as i said to you when that that moment happens when i'm 14 of 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 leaving the 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 body behind that's a bad way of putting it but of of basically being freed from the technicality of doing it when you meet somebody in that space yeah as artists do especially musicians actually it's it's a thing unique to musicians because i don't actors might get it as well i think yeah yeah uh, when they're both sharing this moment outside of the art form mm-hmm. i think probably actors get it more you yeah. know it's an intimacy of being in in the space, yeah, and and as and as an actor, you're you're contriving to make that happen because you're you've you know you've getting a director to try to organize the circumstances in which this will happen in some sort of way. I wonder, does this work? I mean, you you've got your score. A musician has a score, his his notes. An actor has his words or her words, and then you leave those behind mm-hmm. and you inhabit the words or you inhabit the music. Mm-hmm. And when you share that business of inhabiting mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. it doesn't happen all, all the time and and can i ask you is it is it possible from your experience of playing you know repeatedly with the same people or, or in, yeah. in the same setup yeah is it something that you can kind of there's no formula is there or is there or is there something that you can kind of go like oh we'll get into this again tomorrow and maybe it's not it's oh a, you can you can had a bad day or something no i think i used to think when i was younger i used to think there was a magic about it that was on on uh, that was that had to be sh- that had to be really um that only happened there was a magic but as you get older and you get more experience you realize that there are certain things that make that happen for example i heard bob dylan talking about the other day going back to bob yeah. he never improvises yeah because he knows exactly what it is he wants to say. He, he has his syllables in the same place at the mm-hmm. same place at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. And so the the improvisation doesn't... Uh, we used to... When I was younger, I used to think, oh, that was a fucking great version. Yeah. I've, got, I've, I've done it. But then as you get older, you realise that if you... If you figure out exactly what it is, you can actually do it and enjoy it just as well as... Mm. as yeah. The, as it doesn't thing. have to be this big breakthrough thing. It doesn't have to be... Yeah, mysterious. It is mysterious yeah, where it right, comes from. Yeah. But I know what you mean, though. It's trying to take away that kind of thing of it being something that's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it can become a regular thing, which is what good professionals will do. Right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Without yeah. it becoming boring. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Um, yeah. do, can we just go back to, I know we're jumping back now, Steve, but I want to I talk to you about El Shankar. So Shakti yeah. was what he did with... Um, he did it with um, John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin, yeah. yeah. And um, and so he might have been in the Mahavishnu. He's, he's, he's oh, he cool. was, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, there's you couldn't go any further out, really. But um, Jesus, but uh, let's go fid- all the way. as a as a, a fiddle player, yeah. man, man alive, and and you know he he, he comes from the Indian classical Indian yeah. classical Karna, what they call a Carnatic. I don't know. Yeah, it's so, South India. It's a very specific okay, thing. Madras is where he's from, right? Uh, so, yeah. Kirk, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's a it's a culture it's a God, I'll, I'll show my ignorance here but i think it's called carnatic carnatic right let's have a look is it carnatic yeah carnatic music yeah yeah so south indian oh yeah uh so there's a very prescribed set of rules for for it actually mm. as well mm -hmm. when you look when you listen to it first time you just think that's bonkers yeah that's amazing yeah. but then when you look at it analytically you say oh yes i see i see this <laughs> it's, it's like jigs and reels and polkas and slides there are yeah there are defining yeah there's, there's, there's the an madness architecture there. there yeah yeah architecture right well let's hear it and let's chat more about it
of the playing Steve um, I mean the technique involved in getting to that level it's just kind of it's, oh, it's, my, it's my. staggering right yeah well yeah yeah it is I mean that's what they have that's what you have to do yeah you know yeah uh, so I find uh, Indian music fascinating I, I, there's a lot of work to be done there for me to, mm-hmm. to, to study it more and there some of my contemporaries of a fellow here from Rodney Lancaster from Sligo used to go out for four months every year just to study Indian music mm-hmm. and sit and go and learn I would love to do that maybe maybe after when I get some time I'd like to do that mm-hmm. go out and get violin lessons for, for a mm-hmm. couple of months that'd be a, that'd be a dream actually when you think about or when you when you when you talk about about Indian uh, and classical music and uh, and the architecture of, of those kind of sounds and what you have to do to kind of get into those places mm. and uh, um, I mean it's it's a phenomenal thing in itself but it's it's a whole different ball game and is there's that all the endless stuff we were talking about earlier but any one of those parts and in in, in in itself is a kind of a, a never ending world That's of, right. of wonder yeah yeah um, it's challenge. Yeah, yeah. Now I suppose it's it's a very different thing from the kind of spontaneity that might you know find yourself playing a tune as as the notion takes you. Well, you know the thing is you 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 dig into all those things and then when it comes to the to think you just throw them all out the window and go wherever you have to go. Having been yeah. in there, it's yeah. like uh, I suppose it's like when you you know when you're writing a book, you 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 read all your books and then when it comes to writing your own, you have to. Mm-hmm. Just forget them all. Mm-hmm. Unlear- unlearning mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a very difficult thing for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Isn't it a case though? With you know, even when we were talking about Dylan earlier, where the artist really has to, there's there's a period. If you want to reach for the higher ground, you want to get there. You want to go all the way. Yeah. You, you know, there's a period where you're coming up where you have to take from either side. You you just that's the way it is. You're climbing up, and then, but then there's a place beyond that, which is I speak. I guess is where pure expression resides where you know you've you've left all the influences behind yeah it was, was it picasso that said the, uh, it took him uh, 60 years to paint like a child right yeah you know yeah title of the david byrne uh, book there are uh, album grown backwards but yeah. um I, yeah. I, I, or dylan says what's it dylan said uh, 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 I, uh, I was lo- i was so old then i'm a lot younger oh, than yeah, that yeah. now I'm, I'm younger than that so now. much younger yeah, than I mean, that I'm, now yeah exactly <laughs> fantastic know? line yeah one of the greatest yeah. but um but i suppose it's just that I, by way of asking you right the person, the the the, the boy going from Ballyfermot for the, yeah. the lessons in the school of music, yeah. you know, uh, with the aspiration sort of to your back of, of your parents' aspirations to, to go do something with this. Um, so, is is that voyage? Is that is that connected to where you might go next? To you know what I mean? As in as in those steps along the way of of trying to find your way with the whole thing, is it the same journey or just different parts of the road? As in you know. Are you still kind of essentially on the same path? 
Yeah, I think I I don't know really what you mean. I mean, musical path. Am I still discovering? Um, I suppose you know. it's more it's more not the musical because that's wayward in in so many different ways. But I suppose um, that thing that makes you want to be able to do something or makes you want to be able to replicate or makes you want to be able to kind of go wherever that thing goes that you hear. You know. Yeah. Um, are there still things that are f- refreshing your ears to make you like when we hear El Shankar and you say, well, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's more that to learn there. Yeah. I, not so much El Shankar now, but he had a, 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 at a particular time in my life, it was a particular uh, spur. I heard him at the right time for me. Um, I'm still learning shit, as they say. Yeah. yeah. I'm still, yeah. I've discovered the minor sixth chord recently, yeah. which is, which is, I'm digging. Yeah. You know, I, I'm still learning stuff, yeah, and I'm still writing stuff. So I, I you know, um I don't consider myself to be a, a great artist or anything like that. I, I'm just a fiddle player really digging in uh with 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 the with the fiddle really. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a tool and it's very very specific to the to the job at hand, whether it's with the water boys or the no crows or mm-hmm. working on a play or working on a whatever the mm-hmm. task at hand is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, of 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 the position that you occupy, you know the sort of the dream that started way back. The dream, the dream. Yeah, I I, I think there's a there's a mystery about the dream. I mm. think there's a magic about a dreaming when you're a young man or young person. You have your dream and you think it's it's I'm not going to do this you know I'm not going to do this and then you 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 do because you're holding on to the dream I don't you know I want to be in a rock and roll band you before you long you are in a rock and roll band mm-hmm. but you better make sure that what your dream is is worth chasing because mm-hmm. you you get there and you know it's never quite what you imagined it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So you look for other dreams, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But if you're lucky enough to get a good dream when you're young, it's it's great. But you always have to keep keep a dream in mind. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Yeah, you know, it's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, I suppose we, we, that thing you said about lucky to catch the kind of the, the big dream early on. It's like catching a wave. It's you got to believe in it. I think the. The great thing about the Irish imagination, and I think in general, mm. uh, I shouldn't say Irish imagination, but I, when I was a kid, I used to read an awful lot of fairy stories. Mm-hmm. I used that was my big thing. I'd go in and buy and read, go into the library and get Russian fairy tales, Spanish fairy tales, Japanese fairy tales, and I lived in I lived in that land as a kid of um, imagination. Mm. And so I say to my own kids, I say to my own kids, listen, if you want to, to believe that you can do something, you can believe it. Mm-hmm. And you you will find yourself doing it before you know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on the subject about imagination, I mean, Sligo as, as, a, as a place of, of uh, the imagination, when I was yeah. coming down here today, having been denied the chance to, to go outside the pale for um, six Four months. months. Six yes. months. And I, denied is too strong a word. I've been unable to do that in um, six months and six days. I mean, I, I, what I think when I see Sligo is that they should put a paywall around it. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, you know, as in it has something that's absolutely not. It has something that nowhere else has. It's this, the, 
the 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 shape of the thing. It's like it's like it's like it's like in other way Dublin and and Galway and Kerry and uh, and Mayo and Cork have fantastic you know, limitless amounts of amazing choice when it comes to mountains. But it looks like somebody in Sligo was given the job of a graphic designer was given the job of finishing them off. Yeah, they, that's what they, they look like today. Anyway, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Those two mountains, when you see them, uh, not just, Nere and, and Ben like Bogan, yeah, it's they're, just, they're, they're as, marks. As, as, yeah, as exactly as, as, a, as a shape to be yeah. between. Yeah. I mean, the first time you see Ben Bulban, you remember it for the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when, when it comes to, to, to with, with, we'll say, Yates is, is, is somebody who, who, I mean, it must be like, there's that part of the dreaming was, is still alive here, obviously. Well, for, th- that for you, was the right? thing that struck me when I came to Sligo, first of all, uh, about mm. 25 years ago, was that I didn't know Sligo at all, but I knew the places in Sligo from the poems of Yeats. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I'd read, you know, the Lake Isle of Inishfree or the waterfall at Glencar, uh, far off by Fergus Ross's uh, in Hazelwood. I went down to the Hazelwood because there was a farm ahead. So these names were in my, having read them, these names were in my psyche. And then coming here, they become, they become less the words on the page and actual realities. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's quite a thing. If you come to Sligo, having visited Yates beforehand, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's like living in a book yeah, <laughs> in a, or living in a poem. It yeah, is. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, yes, it is. It's a strong place to store the imagination is, is my point. I think it's, yeah. Bloody wet though. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Steve, it's been such a great pleasure talking to you today. I want to thank Keen Hamilton on the sound. Thanks so much, Keen. And I also want to thank Tara McGowan and Corda Festival. Um, it's been a measure of, of the effort that Tara puts in, that the programme has been so good online, and it's really great to be at the end of that. Um, in terms, Steve, in terms of, of where to go next, I mean, it seems like there's plenty things left to do in, in your own well, I'm be- notebook of, of walls, oh, of, of ideas. Well, I'm, I'm looking for a dream, Donald. I am looking for a new dream, not... Uh, uh, you know, I don't. It's not that I don't want to be in a rock and roll band. I'm in a rock and roll band. Mm. Uh, I am looking for a dream, all right. And uh, you know what I've I, I think it is now is the the that this last four months of lockdown have shown me that I was going very fast, way too fast. So I'd work on a tune and I I'd be very happy with it very quickly, or a mm-hmm. song I'd be very happy with it very quickly. And now I realise actually, oh, I've got all the time in the world. Mm. I've, there's there's nothing on the horizon. I mm-hmm. I can spend two weeks on a tune. I don't have to write it in one day. Mm-hmm. I don't have to finish. Feel like I've done something at the end of the day. And so my dream now is to just get everything as, that I am doing as as well as I can get it. Mm-hmm. Really. That that flip of of the time things, time space thing that a musician's life, a touring musician's life is is very much lived on that kind of axis of you know, there being dedicated times where you're touring and, and that's a very tiring thing and all of that. But just that kind of stop that it put on all of that, I mean, a very difficult time for musicians. But in terms of the space that it's opened up, I guess we're just getting our heads around of what, what that really it's is, right? It's phenomenal for me anyway. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I haven't felt this since I was a teenager when yeah. the horizon just cleared. Yeah. And actually, what what's on the horizon is what I decide to put on the horizon yeah. rather than what somebody else is telling me to put on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting. It's scary. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, there has to be that little bit of scary in there, though. Yeah. Um, I'll just, there's actually, the, the painter Maggie Hamling, I don't know if, you, if there was recently, while lockdown was happening, Grayson Perry... I don't know if you know him. Yeah, um, yeah. He, well, he had a lovely oh, series. Oh, I love his book. Have you read his book? I, actually, I have one of his books in my bag there, yeah. but there's, there's, a, there's a few of them. But he, his, his, his show, The Art Club, is, I thought that was... Uh, you oh, know, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, as a presenter, let alone his, his work as an artist. But um, on that show, he had a painter called, called Maggie Hambling. And uh, I had never known about her, to my shame, but now... You know the way you see or you hear something and you go down the road of, oh, yeah. of finding out yeah. everything she ever yeah. said. Yeah. Well, if you if you look up Maggie Hamling, you will not be disappointed. She does trot out the lines occasionally. She's probably in her mid seventies. Only agreed to do the thing with with um, with um, Grace and Perry if she was allowed chain smoke and if she was allowed drink Dutch gold and and if there was no music put under her piece as in you know she knew what she wanted but uh and then uh but, but she was she an artist is she an artist yeah, Maggie Hammond? Great she is painter, an art- yeah okay. a kind of a you know came after Bacon would have been in his okay. Francis Bacon would have been in his world yeah. and, and uh huge yeah artist actually something we, we might close with because I know you're going to play the butterfly but she she recently had an exhibition called Touch and and uh, and her describing yeah. the the thinking behind calling it that very much it's something I've asked a lot of the, of the musicians that I've spoken to on the series because you know it, it is I guess that feel or that touches everything but um, the point that I was going to say was that she said great paintings great art have to have a sense of both there she is right yeah. so great paintings great art of any sort has to have a sense of what it's like to be alive and and what it's like to die you know that the both things have to be in there yeah. for it to have the really the great stuff you know yeah. and i think there's something in that about like you know the, the the doubt and the scariness of of the path of dreaming and all of that of like there's there, the there tension a, has to be there yeah to, well to there, make to, it, there is a there is a thing about being an artist i think that is a commitment it's a life commitment mm. it is a kind of a this my my blood is on the line here mm. Uh, you she, know she very much on that point she really goes into great detail about that it has to be your best friend you know you're you're, you're, you're the person you tell stuff to everything you know she she works in a methodical way every yeah. day gets up goes to yeah. it goes at it yeah. stays at it yeah. and, and that place that you were talking about there about giving it everything and all the time that it takes to do it yeah. but i suppose yeah i mean there is yeah there's there is that centrality. If you really commit to it, it, it has to be right there with you all the time and it has to know everything about you and you have to give it everything that's in you. I think so, yeah. I think I, f- I find a lot of, in music, especially in Ireland, actually, again, yeah, because Irish traditional music is played a lot of the time by people who are farmers and guards and yeah. builders and uh, who, have, who play it masterfully and really well. Uh, music in the sphere uh, occupies uh, occupies a, a certain sphere in the Irish psyche mm-hmm. that musicians that are art musicians people who are creating music or writing music or, or whatever have to have to look at all the time mm-hmm. you have to look at and say hold on a minute what the fuck is this all about I'm making music but is it really that important yeah yeah yeah
next to the most important task of whatever you know in there's, anybody there's else's a, there's life. There's a man there. He's he's out. He's yeah. He's he's out there. He's a doctor. Most mm. of the time, he's a fucking great fiddle player, mm. and most of the time, he's saving people's lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's so true. I'll tell you, Steve, one, as a DJ, right? I mean, in, when I was, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not even a semi-amateur DJ, but when I was on the radio, right, um, I was, um, one time my mom was, was ill and I was in, in the hospital and I was, I'd spent the time with her and I'd, every night I would go into the car park and, and yeah, just for a breather, breather. But I would, I would, see, the, I would see the hospital DJ on a nightly basis you know, go to the car park with his bag of CDs and get on his bike and, and cycle away. And it was very, just like, very humbling. humbling yeah. yeah. not You know, yeah. beyond humbling, it was just like a great leveler. Yeah. It means Agreed. something to him. Yeah. What does it mean to me? If, if I, What do I want to do? You know what I mean? He comes here every night and he goes into this place, which is not a pleasant place to go into. Yeah. And he plays for how many people who are listening it doesn't matter clearly to him. It shouldn't matter to me really. Yeah. But you know, that, that idea of that commitment to the thing. Yeah. Well, that is it. I think, you know, once you, once you decide to commit, even if, you know, whatever your commitment is, music can occupy a place of great enjoyment to people without being professional musicians. Mm -hmm. But when you do commit to it, mm -hmm. you really commit to it. And it means mm -hmm. that um, you're walking a tightrope. Yeah. Right. And and that's part of the gig. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I've discovered as well, that really I thought I was becoming a musician to be a musician, mm -hmm. but I actually became a musician to see the world because it's enabled me mm. to go and travel around the world a couple of times, mm -hmm. which is part of what I really love. Mm -hmm. Part of seeing... Separate altogether from the sound that you're making. Yeah. It's a journey, it's a life journey of wanting to see how other people see the world. Mm -hmm. And that that's part of what it is about, has been about for me for most of my life. Actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And without that thing under your arm... Wooden passport. It was a wooden passport. Right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Can I see your wooden passport, please? Yeah. <laughs> Stamped everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, I seriously hope it, it's yeah, stamped for all time. Thanks so much, Steve. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs>
<laughs> um, so let's let's stay with going back a little bit um, to Shakti. 